The Walk the Mile podcast is produced on Gadigal land. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Skeg Starlinghurst stands, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. May our reconciliation be an ongoing process of love and compassion. Hello everyone, I'm Gary Lee Lindsay, school chaplain at Skeggs Darlinghurst, and you're listening to Walk the Mile, a podcast that opens up conversations that we need to have. Hello everyone, and welcome to Walk the Mile again. Good to have you with us. Uh, I've been thinking that it'd be great to have a series of old girls that could tell us a bit of their story about what they've done since they've left school and just follow their paths. And some, there's been some very interesting stories that I've come across, particularly uh, for those old girls that I taught and seeing where they or what they're up to at this stage of their life. So today we have one of our not that old girls. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. It's <laughs> Marina Carrier. When did you finish, Marina? I finished in 2014. So 2014? Nine years ago. And did you start here in year seven or in primary no, school? No, I started year nine. Year so nine? I, yeah, I did my last three, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, four years here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good. And were they good years? Oh, they were, they got better. They got better and better. Got I got to say, yeah. Excellent. It was awesome by year 12, yeah. Good on you. Why was it that you ended up coming to ended up coming to Skeggs? I think we really appreciated the well-rounded aspect of the school. Right. Um, they had obviously very strong academics, but I just think the personality of the school was what I, I know particularly for my mum. It was what particularly drew her in. Um, she said that when she was being shown around the school yeah. by one of the students, she said they were just wonderfully quirky and wonderfully themselves, and right. she was just sold on that in terms of. Yeah, everyone just had a personality and was a right. warm and individual. So. And wanted that for her daughter. Absolutely, obviously. yeah. Great. And is that what you found? Uh, no, I'm a robot now. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I yeah, I loved it. I really, really loved it. Because um, because you uh, you came to Skeks with uh, some particular skills. Oh. Would you say? <laughs> yeah, very, very quirky, very quirky skill set. Yeah. In in the area of sport. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about what what sport you were? Came with. Came with. Yeah, I had lived in England for a year prior to coming to Skeggs, and I'd done a sport called modern pentathlon. Um, it's based on uh, a military soldier. Uh, in sort of the 1900s and all the skill set that he would need. Um, So it's running, swimming, shooting, fencing and horse riding. Now it's much bigger in Europe, it's very niche in Australia, but when I first came to Skeggs um, I just sort of gave it up for for dead and I thought it's too hard so yeah, I hooked up with the cross-country team and water polo, and I think I was the first uh, triathlon representative yeah, for the school. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, so glad I started that tradition. But, um, yeah, and then I, by end of year 10, I believe, I, I got back into pentathlon and, and yeah, kind of continued that um, continued that on. But, yeah, I think what I found at Skeggs was um, just the all-rounded 
nature. I was in three bands. I, you know, loved, I, like, I really enjoyed my school work and, yeah. and the science and the sport. So I just kind of, I have kind of really changed much. <laughs> like, nine years, I'm still doing the same thing, but adult version. Right. Putting your finger in a whole bunch of different oh, pies. Oh, yeah. And... Life is too good not to taste them all. Oh, good on you. So how did you get into it in, when you are in England? Mm-hmm. How did you get into that sport? Because it's not, you know, I, I can imagine parents saying, you know, would you like to learn tennis? <laughs> or would you like to, you know, whatever the sport might be. But pentathlon, how, how did that come about? So we were being shown around the school by one of the teachers um, before we started. And he just turned to me while we were doing the tour and he said, oh, you're Australian? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm Australian, I'm Australian. And he goes, oh, you must do all that running, shooting stuff, don't you? And I kind of looked at him and I went, what is he? Mum, mum, what's he, what's he talking about? And I, I got him to explain the sport and I was sold. I thought, right. sign me up. That sounds amazing. And I'd never, I'd never done shooting. I'd never done fencing. Wow. I'd always kind of loved horse ride, dabbled, yeah. um, wasn't a runner, right. um, done, you know, Australian swimming, like, you know, you participate in school carnivals, yeah. but yeah, I, I, for some weird reason, my 13 year old brain lit up and went, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. That's and fantastic. started the next week when I started school. So right. went wow. there. So how old were you then? I was 13. 13, right. Yeah. And so were there many other people doing pentathlon? Yeah. So in the school, they had a, a bit of a squad going, which was wonderful in that you had sort of this ready-made group of friends that you would train with before school or train with at lunch or after school um and it was very easy in the sense that the program was written for you all you had to do was turn up and just just do it and have fun so it was a very well supported okay environment for pentathlon and then when you came to australia you came to australia and then you didn't pick it up for a while but once you picked it up there's a Uh i'm guessing there's a modern pentathlon club somewhere uh, I wouldn't say club. I would say group of individuals uh, within the state that sort of did it. And right. it was very much a case of ringing up the state president and saying, hey, I want to do this again. Right. Um, where should I start? And I was lucky in that I had um, London 2012 Olympian Ed Fernan was actually the one to pick up the phone and, and say, right. hey, do you want to do it again? And so I, I had his guidance on you know, what swimming club, what running club, but it was, right. instead of being a pentathlon club, it was going out and... You had to join a whole bunch of different clubs. Yeah, and you had to be wow. very self-driven. I remember in year, end of year 10, I really clearly remember it was end of lunch. I was in one of the English classrooms in the new building, or what is probably not the new building anymore, <laughs> but sure. on the phone to my um, first ever fencing coach and kind of talking that through all by myself and then ringing other people and wow. yeah, which is, I think is a great skill set, yeah. you know, at 15, 16, I was yeah. trying to pull and strings and life. yeah, and like my friends can attest, um, spontaneity is much more difficult for me nowadays because my planning and organization levels, if I could get a degree in that, I'd have <laughs> a PhD in it, I really, really would. Wow. So you organised all of that. Mm-hmm. It must have been incredibly difficult to juggle. So you've got five different mm. activities mm-hmm. that you have to train in. Not just train in, not just show an interest in, but you're taking this very seriously by this point. Mm-hmm. How do you do all that? How do you fit five? Did you have to do all five elements every day or...? How did that work out? So fortunately, you didn't have to do all five in one day. That was lucky. 
But you sort of just had to sit down with each coach and say, all right, ideally, how many sessions would I do a week? And when would those sessions be? Mm -hmm. And then kind of reflect back, okay, what are my school commitments? And how much time do I have? And I always think it's like playing Tetris with time. Yeah, right. And you just kind of got to slot things in as best you can. It was really a case of perfection didn't exist. You could strive for it, but try your best and yeah you I probably did two or three sports every day so like I remember I'd sort of do swimming in the morning I'd catch the bus to school I'd do school and then I might do I remember extension English was a particularly long day because I do extension English till five and then I caught the bus to the pistol club went shooting at the pistol club and then uh, my parents dropped me off at fencing which went till nine so it was just an insane yeah, day. Yeah. It was insane. I don't yeah. know how I did it. Honestly, I don't. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But you obviously, you were driven. And were there other competitions around mm-hmm. happening in Australia or even in New South Wales that you attended? Mm-hmm. Like I'm imagining it wouldn't have been every weekend. No, although in saying that, because I did do five sports, I basically could compete right. every weekend in the individual sports, sure. which I did do. Not every weekend. Yeah. But um, there was sort of the state championships which would then enable me to go to nationals and then the nationals was sort of the selection event um because i was targeting to go to the youth olympic games in year 12 that was my goal event and so there were kind of stepping stones up to that so the competition pathway it was um yeah there was kind of a few competitions that i had to target to to get there but yeah okay and you got to the youth olympics yeah in year 12 before wow. my year 12 trials yeah, i did yeah. that I, I do have a memory of that yeah, i took my textbooks and it was very wishful thinking i didn't know before, study. You, before <laughs> yeah. your year 12 trials and you came back and did your year 12 trials yeah yeah wow. and hsc that year was that it was it it was a great year it was a mm. really great year um yeah i think the sport helped me get a better mark right. i really do In because made me have to focus because I only had so much time in my day to study so if I had one spare hour I thought well I can't I can't waste this because this is my only opportunity if I've got an essay to write or or maths to solve I have to do it now otherwise it will not get done and so I suppose it's that old adage like if you want something done give it to a busy person yeah um it was just a case of do it when you can so yeah have you always been a busy person? Do you think that even when you were a child, like do you, your mum and dad say to you, even when you were little, you were always busy, had to be doing things? Or did this sort of come with the pentathlon? I think it came over time, right. yeah. I think I was always enthusiastic and I was always taught to take opportunities and say yes. Right. So I think it's, for me, I think a lot of things I do now have just come with practice. And certainly busyness. <laughs> I've practiced that to the nth degree, but right. yeah, I think it came over time to answer right. your question. Yeah. As you've gone through your life, do you <laughs> feel like you've been able to manage your busyness more, or have you just become more and more busy? Because um, I know that you know you've just told me a few moments ago that you've retired from the sport. Uh-huh. Uh, how was that a decision about managing time or? Uh, yes and no. I would say I'm almost busier than when I was an athlete, right. which is insane. Because right. um, I feel like I've just kind of opened the floodgates to everything that I've okay. always wanted to do. Okay. But um, no, I think I'm currently sitting in a period of 
sitting back and going, okay, Marina, you are insanely busy. Right. You know, how sustainable is this? But I've accepted that I think it's just going to take a little bit of time and reflection to yeah. figure out what I want to do in life. And, and at the moment, if it's sampling everything at once, I'll go through the culling process in a little bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> slowly, slowly. Are, are you, uh, would you say you're someone who finds it hard to say no to people? Oh, or yeah. no to things? Not oh, people. yeah. I find it very difficult. And that's something that, um, yeah, I'm very much working on. I've, I've had a psychologist all through my sport and, and continuing to have that. And that's something that's popped up um, right. as, as something that I've just got to work on, is yeah. um, being able to say no, but knowing that that's not being unkind. It's yeah. just, you know, setting a priority yeah, and, yeah. and being realistic. So, yeah. but I think my problem is also that I just get so excited. Like, yeah, and there's right. just so much in life yeah. and I want to do it all. No, that's great. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. And you have done a lot and, you know, we've sort of left your history for a moment there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Coming up to HSC. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you left school and pretty uh-huh. much became a full-time mm-hmm. athlete up till the end of last year. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. What, what I mean, it's probably hard to say what mm-hmm. that's been like in, because that's, what, nine years? Eight, yeah. Nine yeah. years of your life. Going into it, mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I've finished school, got my HSC. I know that you've still been doing some study while yeah, you've been doing yeah. that. But what came with that, being a full-time athlete, when you see... I'm guessing a lot of your friends probably didn't mm. become full-time athletes no, as well. No, What was that like? It was... It. I've been reflecting on this lately, actually. And funnily enough, it's actually been fine. Right. Um, I thought that maybe I would feel sort of left behind or... But funnily enough, it's sort of been quite the opposite. I think because I've had such a unique path, it's yeah. almost... I feel like it's incomparable to others because I've just... To other athletes or...? No, to anyone. Right. Um, you know, I've, it's just so different. I don't know anyone else who's taken nine years to do a degree or yeah. done pentathlon or the combination. I suppose no one walks the path we walk, I suppose. Yeah. And I look at that and go, oh, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. Just and, doing what you do. And I cheer my friends on and I get excited for if they, they do that. But I'm lucky in that my friends, a few of them are doctors, so they're sort of just finishing their studying journey as right. well so I don't right. feel sort of too left behind or yeah. anything like that but um yeah I, I think I was just very focused on my own path yeah um, right so it didn't really come up as right. a problem for me. And, what, and what has that been mostly like I'm guessing there's a lot of training in that mm-hmm. how, how many hours a day as a professional athlete how many like at the peak of your performance mm-hmm. whenever that was yep how, how many hours a day would you be, or what would your week look like? My week, so I'd train two to four training sessions a day, mm-hmm. seven days a week. Right. So no rest day. No rest day. Um, on occasion, I'd take one if I was exhausted. Wow. Easiest day was Sunday, and that was a hour and a half run, whenever I wanted to do it. Wow. Uh, but normally I did it in the morning with friends. So, right. Um, normally followed by brunch, which was the best <laughs> bit of the day. <laughs> But um, yeah, and, and then there was the study. So I suppose there's two things in that, that I did have the study on the side, the university degree of medical science, um, which was great to sort of provide balance and perspective and give me another passion in life because I absolutely adore science. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and then I suppose the other aspect which I wanted to kind of point out, you say professional athlete, but I was not paid. Yeah, of so course. So this was all for of course. love. Uh, yeah. So a full-time athlete. Full-time athlete, but mm. uh, amateur, I, I suppose mm. is the term, yeah. So And so did people fund you to... Towards the end, yes. Right. At the beginning, no. It was mum and dad uh, who were, have been incredible throughout this whole thing. Right. But yeah, towards the end, as I got better and better results, I got more funding, which was amazing. And then um, Sydney Uni also provided scholarship okay. um, as well, which was amazing backing. So it kind of yeah got more, as I progressed through the ranks, I got more funding, which was a right. real, real help. Yeah. And you've been to two Olympics? One. 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 Oh, okay. I thought you yeah. were going to Games? No. So Youth Olympics right. and Tokyo. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. for some reason I thought you I tried to go to Rio, right. but I didn't make it. Right. Yeah. And how many how many Australians go into the pentathlon? Uh, we can send up to... We got two quota spots for right. Oceania. Right. So that's New Zealand and Australia pretty uh, much. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. But I know this is going to be a mouthful. I'm the fifth ever female Australian Olympic modern pentathlete. Wow. That's a mouthful. So, yeah. That's great. There's only a very small number of us because the females yeah. only began competing in the Olympics in Sydney. And is there, is there you know, in some sports, there you hear about gender mm-hmm. uh, inequity mm-hmm. uh, within the sport. Mm-hmm. Did you face any of that while you were competing? It, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think that now that I've retired, I'm looking back over the span of my career and reflecting very heavily. And in the moment, I didn't notice anything. I just was so focused on what I was doing and how to achieve that. But looking back, there are so many instances where I go, wow, the guys really had it better. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it's quite shocking to me. In what way? Oh. You know, I've had facilities where there were four bathrooms, like four sets of change rooms, and not one of them was for girls. Wow, right. Um, I've had um, situations where the training was all geared towards the men, right. and the girls just had to make do. Right. Um, the girls came were second rate and weren't as looked after. Yeah, right. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think you do... It's It's kind of shocking to feel yeah. realize that that happened at the yeah. time um and even when you're training i think there's just a sense that the guys assume that they will be better than you yeah um sure. which can be very frustrating is there is there a bit of a thought that it's that it, around pentathlon is mm-hmm. that it, that it is a male sport and that women are just sort of giving it a go or that's what it feels like for all right. the sports, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Maybe except for horse riding, which is yeah. very equal, um, sure. because the men and women compete together yeah. against each other in the Olympics. But yeah. I'd say, yeah, in a lot of sports, it does feel like the girls are just tacking onto a male sport, mm. and we're just yeah, which is not a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, a, and it's an interesting point, isn't it? Like even in the the very professional sports, mm. like golf and tennis. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that females have been competing in for a long time, mm. a very long time, mm-hmm. but still there's that mm. second tier of yeah. competition, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. But um, it is, it is. But then on the 
positive side you know there is so much in female sport that is super exciting at the moment mm. like we have the female soccer world cup coming to australia yeah, yeah. and the tickets are sold out yeah, i think it's great isn't it? it's so exciting it's great. so you know i it's it's a difficult subject because i think it's very easy to get feel frustrated and, and down but if you focus on that then I think you just end up feeling angry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you look at the women's AFL or, like, the soccer, you know, the, like, the Matildas are just yeah. incredible. Yeah. And the female cricket. Um, yeah. So, like, Elise Perry, you know, and Ash Barty, you know, we got such strong female yeah. athlete role models. That's and true. they are consistently amazing. Like, the surfing and the just everything. Yeah. So there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah. And I think it's women are starting to really show that, you know, female sport is worth watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we are sometimes much better role models <laughs> than the guys. I hate to say, guys, That's like, right. pick up your game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's in a very... I could talk about that topic for a long time, mm. yeah. And progress is slow, isn't it? It's always, it's frustrating. In all areas, I guess, when you want change, mm. it's often very slow. Yeah, and even, you know, I try just to have influence in my own small spheres and even... I just feel like sometimes I'm talking on deaf ears and it's yeah, just, right. you know, you feel like telling people, wake up, yeah. <laughs> wake up. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? No, I get what you mean. Yeah. So you went to the Olympics, which is, I guess, every athlete's dream. Yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing. Would you have thought that that's where you would be as a 13-year-old shooting a pistol for the first time? Absolutely not. Right. Oh my goodness. No, I always thought my brother was going to go to the Olympics and not me. In the uh, same area? Or? No, he was an elite level rower. Oh, uh, right. I thought if anyone was going, he was. But when I was when I did first start in my first year, um, my coach said to me something along the lines of, oh, you know, you know, you have what it takes to go the whole way. And I didn't kind of remember that until only kind of a couple of years ago. I thought, Gee, you actually did say yeah. that when I was 13. But I think for me, the focus was always on how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, the goals were secondary until the end, which there was a shift. But I think that was actually the secret to how I just kept going because I genuinely just loved it. Yeah, so, that's great. Yeah. Wow. And, and so you get to the Olympics and... I mean, I'm sure it was a, an amazing experience. I'm guessing it was an amazing experience. Well, yes and no. Wow. There's a lot of... I've got a lot of mixed feelings about it. And I think, again, like this is something that I could talk on hugely in that, um, y you know, I think a lot of the historical media or interviews or books, you know, people say what they think they're expected to say, which is the Olympics was the best moment of my life. Right. Um, and whilst it is true for some people, I think, you know, it would be ignoring the, the complexity of the experience yeah, right. um, that there are things that go wrong and r incredibly right and amazing, but also terrifying and stressful and mm. up to your expectations and dashing your expectations. And for yeah, me, right. you know, Tokyo was the perfect epitome of that in that there I was at the Olympics and there was no crowd. And my family of and course, friends yes. weren't there, and that's what I of dreamed course. of. Yeah, wow. So, so it's a bit like 
maybe going for a run out at AS Max it, in honest, the afternoon. Honestly, it was bizarre. Yeah, I, I remember so clearly. I was doing the final event of the pentathlon, like the you know the real climax of the event, which is the run. And we're in this, you know, 100,000 capacity stadium, huge stadium. And people, when they tell you about the Olympics and if they've gone, they tell you about the noise. Yeah, and, right. you know, can't hear yourself think. And it's incredible. But I just so clearly remember I had two people supporting me at the games um, who were on the ground on the day. It was my fencing coach and my physio. And I just clearly remember being halfway through the run and I just hear this... Let's go! And I think, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is the Olympic Games, and well, I feel like I am yeah. at like school cross country. <laughs> was that hard to bring together? Like to think, like mm. so it must seem quite surreal. Very surreal. Here I am at the Olympics, but yet it doesn't mm. feel like the Olympics. Yeah, it was a real case of expectations versus reality. Yeah. Um, and I kept on having to kind of look at the signage saying Tokyo 2020, Tokyo 2020, kind of be like, no, 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 I'm. I'm at the Olympics. This is this is it. Yeah. Um, and I think it didn't really. It's it's still sinking in. It's that I I went and I think what really hits me is when I watch the footage. Yeah. Um, of myself competing. That's when I go. Oh my goodness! I did, I did do it. But I've I've watched it. I've watched it so many times. I yeah, still get really right. nervous watching it. Wow. Um, what makes you nervous about watching? Ah, uh, reliving. I think the stress, yeah, right. Um, the excitement. There's right. just so many emotions going on. Yeah, you yeah. just—it's a heightened experience. Yeah. Um, and the joy and the terror and everything mixing in at once—it's just you name every emotion and you live it. Um, yeah, right. You know. Wow. So yeah, especially I look back on my horse ride, and that's for, for those who followed along was a particularly contentious event given. A lot of the falls and the drama um, in the riding, and it was the my best event, and I had a perfect clear round. And um, I still watch back over that event, and I go, "Don't fall off! Don't fall off! Uh, <laughs> don't uh, hit uh, the rail! Don't!" I like I I know how it ends, and I know I have a good round, but I yeah. still look at that and get terrified that I'm going to fall. Or wow, yeah, it's really nerve wracking. <laughs> Even though you know the ending. Even though I know the ending. Every time I get nervous watching it, it's so bizarre. Wow. And what about the Olympic spirit? You know, lots of people mm, talk about mm. the Olympic spirit. Were you able to, even though there was a lack of crowd, mm-hmm. you know, but people from all over the world. Mm. I guess you wouldn't. Well, tell me, what was it like? Were you able to have much interaction with other people? No. Right. We couldn't go and watch any other event other than our own. However, however... So, by that statement, I mean, if I was competing in pentathlon, I could only watch pentathlon. If you're a swimmer, you can only watch swimming. But I thought, no. I might make my own rule here. Not that I endorse breaking the rules, but I might have bent them slightly. And I thought, my friend, Nicola McDermott, the high jumper, I knew she was going to win a medal. And I thought, I'm not spending a decade of my life training and then sitting at university games with her saying we're going to go to the olympics together and we're here and i'm not going to not watch her so i uh found my way into the athletic stadium found my way way. i'll keep keep some secrets (laughs) not revealed 
found my way in and I was with the athletics team and we watched the men's 1500 meter final where we had um, Stuart McSween and Oliver Hall. I might have had a third, but that was super exciting. Um, we'd all made signs and then watching Eleanor Patterson and Nicola McDermott in the final of the high jump, yeah. I went faint with cheering. Wow. It was That was a surreal moment. Wow. That was it's That great. was the moment when I went, at the Olympics yeah right and then watching her soar over the bar knowing that she got silver and we just went wild and I I just cried involuntarily cried and it was that was a real moment and I thought oh Olympic highlight you know that can't get any better but uh I caught the bus home and on a high and uh I was meant to swap some gear with one of the Italian pentathletes and we're kind of figuring out when we're going to do it and he may have thought tomorrow morning but you're getting on the bus to leave and by this stage it was half past one in the morning and I said look you're awake I'm awake let's swap gear so we met up swap gear and she kind of looked over my shoulder when we're out in the street and said what's that noise behind you and I went oh I don't know I think maybe the the uh, Iranians or someone's someone the Italians are having a party and she went no no I think it's the Australians and I went no it can't be can't be the Australians but lo and behold I went back to the Australian tower and there was and Olympic spirit was very strong in the Olympic Tower. Right. That was it was a fantastic atmosphere just in general. Yeah. Um, and walked to the basement, and lo and behold, the Boomers had come back with their bronze medal in the oh, basketball. Of course, yeah. Everyone, you know, half the people were in their pajamas. Don't the Boomers had their gear still on with the medals around their necks? The right. chaos was raining, and the music was going. And I thought, okay, this. I'll never forget this night. Oh, um, isn't that fantastic? Yeah. You're able to be part of it. A hundred percent. And That's I was lucky. Great. Not everyone got that. Not, yeah, um, yeah. But that was a really special experience. And as I said, the Australian Tower um, was decked out in flags and beautiful Indigenous artwork. Um, there was a real sense of togetherness with the yeah, Australian right. team. I and think, you, yeah. Did you spend a lot of time there? For much time there? Yeah, I did actually because I didn't go to the dining hall at all for right. fear of getting COVID before right. my event. Um, so I, yeah, I ate tin tuna and rice for <laughs> a week before the biggest competition of my wow. life. Um, so and a, few, a few other things, a few toasties, I think, <laughs> which were good. But um, yeah, I did spend a lot of time there just... Um, hanging out I think I had a good laugh with the dietitians and my physio was great and it was yeah it was pretty cool good on you Mm -hmm. and here you are as I said just recently you you told me that you retired Mm -hmm. at the ripe old age of 27 (laughs) yes Uh, what what led you to that part so you've gone to the Olympics Mm -hmm. you've come back yeah what was what were you setting your sights on next the next Olympics or Look, is there I, something else or just enjoying the, the sport? I think when I came back, I had a sense of, oh, I can do better. Um, I had gone to the Olympics with a stress fracture, mm-hmm. um, started off the final event in 10th and the runs normally my strongest, but dropped back to 27th. And I kind of had this sense that, oh, if I train better and smarter, I could go from 10th to, to way higher. Yeah. And I thought, no, I'll give myself six months just to do base level training and and get my groove back and then I'll commit as of January 2022 so beginning of last year but then I hit January 2022 and I tried to go back to training and I it was like pushing a boulder uphill I just something in me was I just 
broke down every time. Mm. I like mentally, emotionally, I just couldn't. I tried to force myself to do it, and I was just in such a bad place. Um, and it took the point where I think my um, either my sports doc or my physio said to me, she went, um, Marina, what do you do for fun? <laughs> and I went, yeah. um, sport? And she went, ah, <laughs> maybe you should have a glass of wine <laughs> or oh, two. Yeah. And so, yeah, I kind of had this time off and reflected and tried to come back again and still had the same problem where I just, my body and my mind just kind of melted and and I suddenly started realizing I went I'm not enjoying this anymore like the goal is wonderful you know going for another Olympics and doing better and like how exciting is that but this is I'm not enjoying the process I'm not enjoying the idea of training four times a day I'm not enjoying the idea of just having all my time eaten up and my money eaten up by sport. Um, And I think I had this sense that the world was a big place and there was lots to do and I wanted to further my career or hang with my, be with friends and not have to go to bed at nine o'clock and I think have some spontaneity in life. Um, And yeah, so it took 12 months to finally make the decision and be settled with it. but yeah, I reached a point where I went, no, this is, it's time to say that's, I'm done with elite sport. And yeah, I'm a lot of mixed emotions still yeah, around it. Yeah, it sounds like it would have been pretty scary in a way. It was, because it was my life yeah. for a decade. It's all yeah. that I knew. Um, and it's easier, it would have been easier, ironically, <laughs> for me to do another Olympics yeah. because it's what I knew. Yeah. But yeah, making that decision was... Um, yeah, really, really tough because I think your identity is wrapped up in that too or how you define yourself. And I'd always been Marina, the elite athlete and with yeah. some study on the side. And yeah. now I just went through this freak out of going, who am I? Yeah, and that's an interesting point. And I was thinking that just as you said that, you know, mm. your identity and how many people at the age of 27 have to go, well, this is my identity. Mm. Um, you know, I often talk to people who've retired yeah. in their 60s or 70s yeah. and they struggle a bit because their mm-hmm. identity has been their career or whatever yeah. and what they're going to do now. Mm-hmm. But here at 27, yeah. um, you know, that's quite a, a different call, isn't it? It's a big call mm-hmm. to try and say, okay, well, in some ways, I guess, I'm a, I don't know, do you think that you've got nothing to compare it to, I guess, and it's, I don't want to say, is it easier, mm. but... You know, you're 27 and you've, you've, you're studying, mm-hmm. you've started a new career, mm-hmm. you're doing other things. And so you can sort of see a life ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. And so was that helpful? Was that actually helpful to, to, to say, well, here I am, I've done this and I've accomplished this, I'm really proud mm-hmm. of it, but I've got all this ahead of me. I think... All those other things, doing all those things just reinforced that it's actually not what I do that makes me, me. Yeah, and I realised, yeah, it's, I'm still Marina. Yeah. And whether Marina is doing pentathlon or in clinical research, that doesn't change. And I realised, like, that's the trap we fall into is defining ourselves by what we do. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think that was a big realisation. I was like, oh, I can still be kind and still enjoy 
you know, having 10 cups of tea in a day and still love reading and laughing with my mates. And, you know, that's still me and it, that doesn't change. Yeah, and that's I think, great. Yeah, it was a really nice realisation when I went, oh, no, I'm, yeah. I'm me still. Nothing's, nothing's yeah. changed. It's just what I do with my time's changed. I love, like, I love that because I, I spoke to the staff at the beginning of the year about you know, who do you want to be, not what do you want to mm, be. And mm. who do you want the students that you teach to be, mm. not what do you want to be. Mm. And just thinking about that, it's a very different way of thinking, isn't it? Yeah, but it, you have to be conscious about it. You have mm. to be deliberate because I think it's easy to slip into defining yourself by how you spend your time. And yeah. What you, yeah, rather than who. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, there'll be plenty of time in your life ahead where you go, well, you know, I went to the Olympics. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good thing to have on your CV. It's, it's, honestly, it's, it's not bad. It does make you stand out from the crowd, I will say. I've, I have snuck it on the top of my C- CV. Right. and um, The um, fifth woman, what was it? The fifth, fifth ever Australian female one pentathlete in the Olympics. But, yeah, it is, it is nice to put those three little letters O-L-Y on the yeah. top of your CV. And yeah. I'm like, you know, it, it is amazing how many doors it opens because I think there's a recognition of the hard work. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I suppose some athletes don't really recognise how much they can bring to the table because of their experiences training. But yeah. that 10 years, I've learned so many soft skills, time exactly. management, dedication, flexibility, coordination, communication. And, exactly. Um, so I suppose the OLY and the CV talks of that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you don't get to that position without having to learn all those things and go through all those things and practice all those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and working with a massive village of people to who help you yeah. do that. So, yeah, yeah. Good on you. And so now you're finishing off... Of your fi- you're finishing off your degree. Final subject, yeah. Final subject Woo-hoo. of your degree. And you're working... Uh, where are you working? Um, I'm at the Chris O'Brien Life House, uh, working in uh, the clinical research trials that they run there in Cancer. Fantastic. Wow. Was that, was that an interest to you or was that just an opportunity that came your way? Or? I think both. Right. Um, I love pathology, so that's the study of disease. I find it super fascinating. Right. Um, and I was talking to my lecturer after one of our classes and she was just asking me what I wanted to do and I said, look, I'm contemplating medicine, um, but I want to sort of work for a couple of years, but I don't really know what to do. And she said, oh, have you thought of, thought of clinical trial? you know, study coordinating. I thought, oh, no, I've never heard of that. Tell me more. And one of the other girls I'd studied with a few years prior had the same role. And yeah. we met up for a coffee, which um, I didn't realise at the time was a job interview. <laughs> and I thought, oh, gee, that's pretty good. And yeah, and it's just something new. And I get to be patient facing, but also work in, you know, you're at the forefront of science and then with clinicians. And it's pretty cool. That's and, great. Yeah, so. What about the other bits? Are you... You know, going around shooting. I still go to the club sometimes to, uh, <laughs> to go shooting. But um, no, I, I'm still, I swim still. I go to the gym. I still run. I still horse ride. <laughs> I've picked up surfing and I go rock climbing. So I actually reflected last week. I do five to six sports a week still. Wow. So it's yeah, in your blood. It's, in, it's stuck in the system. Yeah. I don't know... Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes if I get to the end of the year and still... Is, is there any part of you that mm-hmm. every so often sort of goes, yeah, I'd like to do this competitively again? Or, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, there's always that part of you. Um, 
the wonders and yeah I know I can I'm physically still capable yeah. of doing it um, very much so um, and yeah I think it sometimes gets hard when you look at your friends or like people that you used to train with and and they're still competing and there's that that side of you that goes mm. oh you know you get jealous and yeah. and you wish you were that fit and I think actually that's something that's I am comparing myself to an Olympic athlete of level of fitness and I will never be that fit again, which is, yeah. I mean, I could be, but yeah. it's, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Um, but you're enjoying your exercise and enjoying your yeah, sports. Very much. Um, I still call it training, which I think, right. which is an interesting piece of language yeah. use. Yeah. And I think it will take some time for me not to call it training. Right. It's still training course, in my brain. Course, but um, I still love it. You're stuck in it for that many years. Of course mm. you're going to call it that. Yeah. yeah. Good on you. Well, thanks very much for joining me. And um, thanks everyone for listening. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly did. And if you've got any questions for Marina or for me, or if you're an old girl and think you'd like to share some of your path, I'd love to hear from you. Good to have you here. Take care. Hope to see you soon. Bye.